Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock. Along with me is Kyle Davis, and we are getting dialed in for another big week of Toronto Rock Lacrosse here in the GTA and beyond as the Rock hosts the New England Black Wolves on Saturday night at Air Canada Centre. So, uh, KD, though, before we get into all that, there is so much that happened on a bye week that uh, obviously didn't involve the Rock playing, hence why it's called a bye week. But uh, the Rush and the Bandits playing on Friday night has been the uh, talk of the town, so to speak. Um, I don't know. I, I watched that game start to finish on Friday night, and I still don't really know what I saw um, the Bandits were okay early on. Evan Kirk was great. Um, and, you know, I thought the Rush had, had pretty much put this one to bed, as probably everybody did that was watching. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, before we get too deep into it, I guess, just your take on, on what you uh, what you saw go down on, on Friday night between these two teams. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I I think I owe Banditland an apology uh, <laughs> from my my take last weekend, uh, last week regarding you know taking Saskatchewan a hundred out of a hundred times. Uh, so I just want to you know jump out in front of that and uh, get rid of that burden in the room here. And uh, I still stand by my pick by all means. I, I don't think anyone saw that coming, but you do have to give Buffalo the you know the credit they deserve to go in and and win a hard fought game like that. Uh, moving on to the game, though, uh, I, I was with you. I thought it was, you know, six nothing after one or six nothing early, you know, twelve five at the half or whatever it was. Uh, goalie change for Buffalo. It didn't, you know. I feel very confident with that group Saskatchewan has in their home building, up by you know five, six, seven goals, uh, that they would have just kind of sailed that one home and, and collected the two points, but. Uh, Buffalo obviously had other other thoughts, and I don't really know what to make of what happened. I felt Saskatchewan got a bit sloppy at times up front. Um, some passes getting forced, some passes that maybe weren't there. Um, you know, I know they they finished with 15 on the night, only three goals in the second, third, and fourth quarter, um, respectively. I think. It's weird, you know. You're happy with 15, the overall number, but I'm sure they're not happy with putting up three in, you know, or six in the back half when the game's on the line. Uh, Buffalo just chipped away, and I didn't think, you know, Crawford out, Steinhaus out, Matt Bennett out, three regulars, but uh, timely goals from, you know, Dane Smith had a big night, Mitch Jones. Uh, I know we talked that Josh Burns shot late to tie it was was a great shot. Like, what are you gonna do? They but it seemed Saskatchewan's D was kind of scrambling there as well, and for him to get that kind of look, and even Saskatchewan was up two goals late, and then you know I, I kind of sat back and thought, okay, now this is finally sealed, they're going to lock this down. But no, there's penalty, you know, power play goals. It was it was kind of a kind of a weird finish to the game. But Buffalo and Pat Saunders ended up uh, you know sealing the deal, and that's a that's a big road win for for Buffalo at a team that was really kind of trying to find their game here offensively for them to put up 16 has got to be a confidence boost for them. Yeah, I mean, the those scores at the the key break points, I guess, in the game, like we mentioned, 9-3 at the half, I think, 12, a 12-5 lead in the third quarter at home in that building, and, and just the way the game was going, it was shocking on so many levels. And like you say, when, you know, you, they're making some passes that weren't there, and I have to agree with that, and I think – just comes down to like you say even though they score 15 goals they did not manage the ball well and I think when you do that you know you're 
probably in a lot of cases giving the other team some transition, a little momentum, a little bit of life, you know, when you're coming down the floor and your offense that is as strong as it is is starting to throw the ball away for all intents and purposes. In some situations, I mean, you know, that's, like I said, it's creating the transition, the momentum, a little confidence on the other side too. So I don't know. I mean, it it was bizarre. I, I, I don't know if we're going to see another game like that uh, from the rush this season, but at the same time, it obviously has raised the question marks across the league as, you know, this was a team that was looked at as probably close to invincible through the few first four weeks of the season or through their first four games. And now you kind of think, oh, maybe there is a chink or two in the armor. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree. And, uh, you know, going back to like to watch it, we're, we're kind of talking about the offense there, you know, and if you flip things to defensively, we talked about, you know, giving up that look to Josh Byrne late. Um, but at the same time, you know, Buffalo had three goals at the half, did you say? Yeah. They finished with 16. I don't think that or that I can recall maybe it is true that team that core has ever been a part of a you know giving up a 13 spot in a half which is is rare to probably new to them rare for yeah for that to happen so the defense you know as much as the offense was kind of struggling there the defense couldn't get a stop and we've talked about this sometimes on the you know stopping runs and who whose responsibility or who feels that pressure because I think Buffalo went on a six or seven goal run yeah and Eventually, kind of, you need the offense to 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 put one in, but because the defense, the mindset, I mean, it probably just keeps piling on you, right? Oh, they come back down again and again and again. But uh, f- from a league perspective, I think you got to kind of be happy that you know people concede that they they can be beat. They can be beat, and uh, it didn't look that way at the start. But uh, we talk about the you know the parity in this league and. Anyone can beat anyone on any any night. Last year, I remember doing this podcast with you, and it seemed like every week we'd come in here and say, "Oh my God!" Like, yeah, <laughs> like, I can't believe that happened. It's the beauty there, of the league, yeah, right. So, and it happened again, and you know, we're still early in the season, and uh, in Saskatchewan too, right? If if I would have picked, if they were to lose, you know, this early or the way they were rolling, it would have been on the road in a in a tough road environment. But uh, to go in there and be curious to see you know this ongoing saga that is the Buffalo Bandits goaltending situation how that plays out now moving forward as well yeah I mean that was kind of the next thing I wanted to get to was just the fact that Higgins goes in there again he lets in uh, 11 goals on 45 shots so makes 34 saves um a good game obviously gave them what they needed more than if you even get by the statistical side of it um you know, on the season in his game, like his goals against average, I think is 13.57, I want to say, and a 744 save percentage. So not exactly stats that are lighting the world on fire. However, he's given them what they need. And that's why I think sometimes when we talk about stats, sometimes they're misleading and it is getting the key stops at the right time of the game. And because, um, you know, goals are going to come. Goals are going to come at some point, right? You know, nobody's letting in five or six every night or, you know, Lord forbid a shutout here at any point. But um, I I just think that, I I don't know. I like Higgins has been good enough, but is he, has he been good enough to, to be the number one guy right now there? I I don't know. Yeah. Neither do I honestly, uh, you know, after the, the, I think he starts the next game. I think he, yes, I, I agree. I think he starts the next game as well. And, it's weird how the how much ups and downs that position has had for them because after the game in Toronto where both goalies 
basically got shelled for you know Higgins stayed in for the duration of the to end the game once Booker got pulled there. But uh, then Book strung a couple games together. I remember on you know relapse was or relax was calling him the. He was a performer of the week or whatever that one week. He strung a couple good games, got Buffalo a couple wins, or or at least in, in a couple games there. And, uh, you know, right away, pulled right away, basically, back back to kind of like his old tricks there that we've seen earlier in the season. But I do think you have to go with Higgins there uh, to start the next game at least. But I'll throw it to you. Do you not see this basically being the, sto- the story all year for these guys unless yeah know, I exactly don't, what i was gonna I say don't see is this either one of them running with it for the remainder of the season like i see this being a bit of a carousel right but at the same time three and three you know as we've seen in the past usually 500 or maybe a game over will probably get you in the playoffs um and with how tight the east is like that's Kind of almost where you expect to be, almost unless you're going to win the division. But I mean, you look at the Rock last year, nine and nine, second in the division, right? And some tiebreakers and all that kind of stuff, and all the math we were doing down the stretch. It seemed like every week, but um, I don't, again, like it could be a carousel, but I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Again, like you know, I, I guess if it's a positive carousel, hopefully Higgins will string together a couple of wins for them, and then. You know, you can expect at some point that probably goaltending is not going to be where it needs to be, and they're going to go to the other guy. And um, I think that's kind of the trap you probably fall into. There's probably a few teams in that situation, really, in this league, or two, I think, that come to mind uh, immediately. I think Vancouver's the other one that, you know, you don't really have a clear-cut number one guy. Yeah. You know, as much as you thought you did coming into the season, and, you know, the first few games have proven that you don't, and... How, how do you make that all – how do you connect all those dots here for a successful season the rest of the way? And, well, I think uh, as a player at least, uh, you know, when I played at least, I I felt confident – and I played on both te- teams that had both, you know, we didn't know who was starting or we had a legit starter. I felt more confident as the player coming to the rink knowing, you know, goalie X is in that and he's our guy and we'll, – you know yep. he's gonna. We know what we're gonna get from him, kind of thing. And I'm sure the coaches do as well. And they don't want to be in this position of, you know, looking at shoot around. Who's looking better tonight and and whatnot. And kind of crazy to bring it back to kind of circle back to one of our own here in Riley Hutchcraft. Just thinking now, that Junior A playoff last year, Mimico versus Brampton. It seemed like Hutchcraft was the stable. He could go every night for Mimico, and we didn't know who was starting for Brampton. And they had a carousel going every game, it felt like. And and in the end, you know, Hutchcraft got Mimico through ultimately, right? Yep. And just that stability, I think, can go a long way for the coaches and the, and the team. Um, but I don't like I don't think Troy wants to, you know, have to flip a coin every night here down the no. down this for the rest of the season to uh, to see who's starting and and frustrating. I don't think as well. Buffalo's going to dig themselves out of a sixth goal lead every game. Is, if, you no, know, if no, Higgins I mean, or Book doesn't start talking. Yeah, you don't want to get down like that early, and and that's why I know we were we were texting back and forth during the game, and I know right away, you know, it's where I was like, this is going to be thirty, <laughs> this is going to be thirty. The way they scored the first four goals, it was like, but you know, in some regards, hats off to Troy for making the goaltending change right away, and maybe it was a real easy move. I mean, you probably look at it and go, well, how do you not change the goalie in that situation? But I mean, it paid off, but I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, 
they somehow weathered the storm, made for a great story. Like you say, I don't think, you know, they're coming to the rink every night, though, thinking that, you know, I think we, we can do this, right? We did it against the best team in the league. It doesn't matter how we start. We can we can get down six or seven to anybody early on, and, and we can do it. I mean, it's a good little piece of confidence, I guess, to have in your back pocket, but probably not the well you want to be going to all the time. Um, we'll move on quickly because uh, we have some guests this week. I know we got a little feedback uh, from a few people last week that we apparently uh, suckered them in a little bit by not saying right off the top of the show that we didn't have any guests on the show last week with it being a <clears throat> excuse me bye week but uh, we do have guests on the show Rockhead coach Manny Sawyer and also uh, Rock Defender Challen Rogers they will both be stopping by the program but uh, before we get to that I just want to quickly touch on the New England Rochester game another very very close one uh, first quarter that featured, I think, 11 goals. 6-5, I think, was the score in the first quarter, and then you finish up 11-9. So a little bit weird there, but New England comes in at 4-1. and one. They do have a negative goals for, goals against differential. Uh, 57 goals for, 61 against. Uh, how weird is that for a team that's 4-1? and one? It's crazy. I was and sh- what does it say about them, I guess, is the bigger question. It's crazy. I was shocked when... Uh when I saw that and you mentioned that and I, you know, just right away, I think of the, they win tight games and they, they're lost. They got blown out. And, and that is the difference. Uh, but another tight game, you know, we mentioned on the show before Rochester seems to be in these low scoring tight games. I think last week we both had new England two come out on top. Um, just the way they started. I think from a rock perspective, you want new England at, you know, four and one, you want to, there's, Record wise, the, the the bar right now, I guess, in the East, and I think for, you'd want them coming in feeling good about their game and, and where they're at right now, so you can kind of take on and, and size up where you are, you know, from your, your internally here in Toronto. Uh, crazy game, low scoring game, but uh, I, I'll be honest, I didn't get to see much of it, but uh, I'm not surprised with the outcome. Bold, obviously, you know, settled in and had a good back half to the game to, to hold Rochester, but I think they they got some scoring problems there, and that stat Ashley Docking mentioned is seems to be coming back to the forefront once again here, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, Rochester's inability to hit double digits on a, you know, on a regular basis, but um, one storyline that I think seems to be starting to fall by the wayside a little bit is the fact that, you know, uh, this Toronto Rock team scored 61 goals over three games and three wins, and they won three in a row, and really, now we say there isn't a hotter team in the league, really, and especially offensively speaking. And then you've got a team that is coming in that we're seeing is probably uh, a little bit offensively challenged so far this year in New England. And we'll see if, you know, if this is going to be the type of game where New England tries to turn this into, a, you know, play it out in the gutters, so to speak, and this becomes a, a one or a two goal game around that. 10 9 mark or if the rock offense can turn this into a you know a major league gunfight here and uh, a high scoring affair that i would think would favor the rock but we'll get we'll get a little bit deeper into the uh predictions here in the back half of the show right now we'll uh we'll just take a short short break and uh we'll be back here with toronto rock defender shallon rogers in studio on toronto rock total access stay with us
Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We now welcome in studio with us Challen Rogers. Challen, how are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, we want to have a little fun with you off the top here. Just ask some questions that are a little bit different. Nothing nothing too risque, but just uh, they are lacrosse related, but just a few things just to find out more. Because I think last year, you know, when we got the uh, frozen french fries gem out of you, that was... Uh, They'd live for a while. So we'll yeah. see if we get another one of those here. Um, so in the dressing room, obviously, music is a big part of things. And we've heard some guys talk about it this year. And uh, Rosie, I guess, is the guy that, for the most part, controls the tunes in the dressing room. Yeah. Um, so this is a two-parter, I guess, about pregame music. Song that you love that Rosie plays. Uh, <clears throat> honestly, anything really with the hip. When I first joined and played with Oakville, uh, I guess two summers ago, I wasn't, re- I didn't really know a lot about the hip, and Rosie really got me into it. So, I uh, really, whenever that comes on, I'm, I'm, gets me going. Now, on the other side of that, the song that you roll your eyes and you say, "All right, Rosie, this can be deleted from the playlist." Uh, I don't know if it, if I'd want it to be deleted, but um, I couldn't even tell you what song it is. I forget the name, but. Uh, Hicks always sings it. He loves it. He has one line in it where he belts it out and he kills it every time. But every time that comes on, I look forward Is to it. Is it an Eminem song? No. If it's no, a Hick, it's you uh, go to, I figure. No, it's a, I want to say it's a country song. Really? Yeah. I got to look into that. All right. All right. <laughs> um, now, this is maybe kind of a weird one, too, but again, not like crazy. But when it comes to practice, since we're on a Tuesday night in practice, what is your favorite part of practice? And it can maybe be off the floor or just, like, anything. But what's your favorite part of practice? Uh, you know, probably off the floor, just, just seeing the guys again um, after after the break, especially with this uh, two-week or the bye week we had, seeing the guys. Um, it's probably the best part. And the least favorite part of practice? Uh, getting stuff by Hutch and Rosie. And B, <laughs> no, I feel like they just know people's shots and they just stone us all the time. See, I thought you could have really, you know, pulled on the heartstrings of the female demographic here, even maybe a little bit, and said, least favorite part is when I when I have to leave the boys. <laughs> no, I love hanging <laughs> with the boys. <laughs> all right. Um, what was the next one here? Okay, so everybody always asks, you know, what do you have as a pregame meal? But the other side of that, I thought was. What is the one pregame meal that you'll never eat again because either you played bad, it disagreed with you perhaps, but there's got to be one that maybe you had a pregame meal once and you said, no, never touching that again. Uh, <clears throat> this is when I was, I was playing for Boston my rookie year in the MLL, and I had, uh, what was it, Panda Express? <laughs> so Chinese fast food. I had that oh. pregame like probably two and a half hours, three hours before. and I mean, I I'd had the best career or best stat game I've ever had but I remember being on the sideline and feeling like my body was just about to stop working <laughs> <laughs> it was tough it was tough but. all right that's a good one um why do you wear number 23 uh, it was given to me at school yeah. uh, I walked in a week late because I was in Minto and honestly couldn't find my locker so I just put my stuff on the ground and then after practice we walked back in and I took a better look and found that I was number 23 <laughs> Just stuck with it. <laughs> All right. Um, celebrity crush? Uh, Alexis Wren, probably. She's like an Instagram model, but 
<laughs> she's <laughs> enough said she, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's she's cute. All right. Um, okay. So we'll we'll shift gears to lacrosse here. We talked about you guys being uh, on the bye week here. What uh, what did you get into on the bye week? What uh, how did you spend your week uh, preparing? I guess uh, <clears throat> uh, working out daily, um, and then the weekend went up to Blue Mountain. Lovely. Uh, yeah, me and my girlfriend went up to Blue Mountain, and uh, yeah, hit the slopes for a bit, and it's a good time. You and the girlfriend was that a bit of a name drop ish kind of out there thing? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Wow. Right yeah. after Celebrity Crush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Uh-oh>. Obligated. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so in terms of getting back to action here, getting back to practice, we talked a lot and kind of joked a little bit too about. You know, what is Challen Rogers going to be like with two shoulders now after this surgery? But And now that you've had a few games uh, under your belt, you had a career-high goal and four assists a couple weeks ago. Um, the transition game seems to be cooking a lot better team-wide, uh, you know, with you in the lineup. How has it felt uh, physically for you being back in the swing of things? Great. Um, you know, going into it, I thought <clears> – <throat> I knew that uh, physically my body was ready to go, but I think – came down to more mental and really trusting it that uh you know my shoulder is 100 percent and um you know going out there i remember the first game first shift uh it just all went out the window and just just went out there and played and didn't have to really worry about if my shoulder was going to pop out or not which is always a good feeling <laughs> one i haven't really had to or dealt with for for a while yeah and Mike mentions the transition game of the team picking up, and you know yourself, yourself here specifically. Since your return, it seems like you're good for you know one or two or a couple points a night now. Uh, have you always had this offensive side to your game? You know, dating to school and junior, and uh, do you surprise yourself sometimes with it when you look at the stat line and see you put up you know four points or five points as a D guy? Um, <clears throat> I mean, when I played at school, I was an offensive midi. And when I'd go back and play in the summer, I'd be defense, transition. So I feel like maybe school helped me out offensively. And, um, you know, I was I was kind of put back on the defensive end because our righties were always so strong. And I kind of, from a younger age, I kind of tried to build myself into someone who could play solid defense but could contribute offensively. And, um, you know, it's nice to see that, uh, you know, some of the results are coming. And shifting, shifting the gears ahead to this Saturday, New England Black Wolves come to town. Uh, you know, Evans, Crowley, LeBlanc, a pretty you know potent offensive. Some big names up front there. Uh, what are you expecting out of them? They're sitting four and one, feeling confident coming into the Air Canada Center this week. So it's you know in a way here a first place first, first place game on the line. Uh, what's your thoughts going into that, and what do you expect from the Black Wolves? Uh, well, I mean, they they want to win. We want to win. It's it's going to come down to you know just I guess who wants it more and who makes the least mistakes. Um, you know, everyone in the NLL has a pretty potent offense, and um, you know, defensively, we're just going to try to play our game and and uh, hopefully it stands up against them. And for us, offensively, I mean, the guys have been rolling. So um, yeah, just hopefully just play our game and everything works out for the best. So a couple of things out of that. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, just how you say the offense has been rolling, but there's been a bye week here. Um, you know, obviously you've experienced bye weeks in the past, uh, last season and whatnot, but, you know, what are the what are the traps and whatnot that you can fall into here with a bye week? And, you know, do, do you think this team is going to be able to keep up that momentum that they gained through the three straight wins? 
Um, yeah, I mean, you could look at a bye week and say, uh, you know, you get your rest, which obviously you need to get in this league going back to back or, or whatever it is. Um, but I mean, I think our team is well prepared and prepares themselves for, uh, for obviously the bye and, and going into this weekend. Now, the other thing I want to say is Kyle mentioned, uh, obviously, uh, Steph LeBlanc, his name popping up there, and this will be the first time uh, that he'll be back in Toronto since the trade back on December the 20th. Um, what is it like playing against a former teammate? And part two of that question is uh, who's got the advantage, the O guy or the D guy, do you think, when you're playing a former teammate? Uh, playing a former teammate, <clears throat> it's it's weird. It's definitely different. I, I know last year having to play against guys that I played with for such a long time in junior and growing up, uh, you know, that was that was different, um, you know, being different jerseys and whatnot. But uh, yeah, second part of the question, you know, I, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> I, I, defensively, I mean, we're just kind of playing off what the offense does. So, um you know, it could go both ways, especially with playing against Steph. I remember, uh, like, pregame, I would always just keep on cross-checking him. It was something you'd always like to have done. But it's, it's, <laughs> you may it's, not like it so much now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be different, but, but looking forward to it. Um, so, again, about this matchup with New England, uh, you know, do you sometimes think, and, and I don't know, maybe this is just uh, – Myself, my uh, my thoughts in my head here on this one. But even, you know, the team, three wins in a row, 61 goals for, uh, you know, the defense obviously taking care of itself, especially over the last couple of games, only nine goals against uh, and seven goals against. Uh, do you think the Rock, and maybe you don't have to answer this necessarily in too much depth, but do you think that this team is getting the respect around the league right now that maybe, I guess at least in our minds anyways, that they deserve? Um, honestly, I don't think uh, for us as a team, we really look look outside of our own group. Um, I, we all know our potential, and, and we strive on uh, improving every game and every practice and every time we're out there together. <clears throat> so, um, you know, it's it's for you, I guess, you guys to speculate, <laughs> and um, hopefully we just keep on, uh, keep on rolling. Kind of sticking with that notion, I know you mentioned you don't, you know, think or look too much outside of uh, of the the dressing room which I totally understand just more so curious uh, as a player what how often are you you know checking out what's going around the, for instance a bye week are you tracking that that crazy game in Saskatchewan this past weekend or is it a more just you know wake up check check the score and move on or do, do you catch the odd game here and there when you're not playing and see kind of what else is going on around the league yeah yeah definitely if, if nothing else is going on um you know watching your competitions never a bad thing um for this past bye week, bye weekend, I mean, I didn't really look into much, but um, usually, you know, if if there's games Friday and we play Saturday, watch if watch a bit if we're not practicing or whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, it's always good to, to kind of I think look at your competition and try to take notes, even though you're not going to play them that week. But um, looking forward, I, th I think it helps. All right, Challen. Well, thanks a lot for stopping by. Always a pleasure and always insightful to have you. Uh, in studio with us. Uh, good luck this weekend, and uh, of course, we'll do this again soon. Awesome. Thank you. All right, that was Challen Rogers, Toronto Rock Defender. We'll take a short break on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back in a moment.
Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis with you. We're now joined in studio by Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer. Matty, how are you doing? Good, boys. Good to be here. It is always great to have you in studio. It's been a few weeks and obviously a bye week for the team. Um, I don't know where we want to start necessarily. Let's start. Let's start outside the Toronto Rock. Uh, your thoughts on the wild game that everybody is talking about Friday night, Buffalo and Saskatchewan. Um, you know, I think uh, without uh, getting into predictions or what uh, anybody would have thought of who would have won that game going in, but uh, just, you know, your your take on, uh, like we said, a, a pretty wild game. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good one to, uh, to watch. Um, you know, I guess it just shows that's, uh, that's our league, right? Anybody can win on any given night and, um, you know, uh, uh, a game of swings and a game of momentum, which is the game of lacrosse, and it was an entertaining one to watch, that's for sure. Now, um, what else did you get into on the bye week, uh, other than maybe watching some tape and uh, and doing that kind of thing? What else did you get into? Well, it was uh, a lot of lacrosse. Um, you know, um, reviewing tape of our uh, of our team and and uh, consuming any lacrosse that was uh, uh, available to watch. And um, you know, took some time away from the game and uh, got to know my family again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Before you say goodbye again for a few weeks, <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, um, you know, the uh, the bye week. Um, you know, uh, ideally we would have liked to keep going with the uh, with the role we were on, but uh, you know your schedule at the start of the season, and um, you know I think uh, uh, we gave the uh, the boys the week off last week, and uh, um, I'm sure they appreciated that, and uh, we're gonna get back at it here tonight. But uh, um, for me, the more lacrosse, the better. Now, something you mentioned there about uh, kind of keeping the role going. Did talk to Challen Rogers about this earlier as well on the podcast, but. You know, what are the challenges that you face as a coach? He talked a little bit about the player that, you know, he kind of agreed to a little bit that, you know, it would have been nice to just keep going, but it's also very nice to get a little rest and heal up the body. But as a coach, what uh, challenges do you face, especially in a situation where coming off three wins, 61 goals in three games, everything is going great, and then you kind of don't get to get right back at it again the following week? Well, um, yeah, like you said, ideally you keep, uh, um, you know, when you're feeling good about yourselves and, and the way we're playing, ideally you keep uh, rolling out there every week. But um, you mentioned challenge a couple of times, and, and that's what it is, right? It's just uh, another challenge for us as a coaching staff and, and for our team to uh, um, find a way to, um, you know, I guess, uh, maximize this buy. And, and um, you know, it's a time to heal up a little bit and, and refresh, get away from the game. Um, you know, we canceled last week's practice, and we're going to have a uh, – have a good one here tonight and then uh, get together Friday night before the game and um, you know it's uh, it's our job to uh, to make sure they're uh, they're ready to go and they're prepared and, and that's the good thing about our group um, we've got a good mix of uh, veterans and uh, and uh, some younger guys but uh, you know they um, they show up to play most nights and um, it's not something that uh, that we're concerned about so uh, we'll get right back out of here we'll educate them as much as we can about New England but as always our focus is going to be on ourselves and make sure our game's at uh, where it needs to be which is uh, good in all areas offense defense and goaltending now because of the you know Christmas break couple of bye weeks in here already um, there's been a little bit of shifting around of the practice schedule and what I kind of want to ask you really is you know it's given the Rock the opportunity to practice twice in one week, you know, on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday, kind of the regular practice night, and then practice the night before a game, or at least maybe a kind of a lower tempo practice maybe or less intense practice that night before the game. Um, 
what have you seen as the benefits? Obviously, it's worked pretty well in the win column, but just in general preparation, what have you seen as the benefits of being able to have the team together multiple times on game weeks here? Yeah, well, you know, it's something uh, new that we've tried. We've, um, you know, I guess tried variations of it in the past, but uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, when we do uh, the Friday night, and, and it's not really a practice, it's more of a walkthrough similar to our game day, what we would do in the morning, but we're able to have Tom and Kieran here, right? They um, And it cuts down on their travel. They don't have to uh, fly in midweek to come to uh, a Tuesday practice like they did all uh, all last year so we're able to have the whole team together um you know and and uh, i know just from talking to uh, to our captains and talking to brody and, and some different players they um they really think it helps them get tuned into the game um an opportunity really we're together uh, three times if you include the uh, the shoot around we're together and on the floor uh, three times leading up into that game and um you know so far so good and i'm a superstitious guy so uh, why rock the boat we're going to try to do that as much as we can do you think this is something maybe the league needs to start to examine? I guess it's probably a, a CBA question, I guess, for a few, de- few years down the road, sorry, once the current agreement expires, I think, after the 2020 season. But um, just to possibly allow teams to practice formally more than once a week. I know geographically some teams are challenged and probably just wouldn't be able to do that. But like we're saying, on the other hand, there's a lot of teams that – their lone practice is the night before games. Um, you know, so it's kind of a mishmash, I guess, of, of both sides of the coin here. But, you know, do you think this is something that eventually just will happen? Do you think it's something the league maybe needs to look into? I don't know. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's a, a good question from a, from a coaching standpoint. Um, you know, I, I think if the uh, limitations weren't there through the CBA as far as, um, you know, uh, how many practices you could have, you'd be uh, on the floor as much as you, you as much as you could, um, you know. So that's something that I, I think is just the nature of our league. Um, I don't think we're at that point yet. You know, everybody is, uh, has uh, jobs outside of lacrosse that are, um, you know, that are playing or participating in the league. And, um, you know, I just don't think we're at that point yet. Uh, ideally, we get to that. Um, you know, but that's the the league growing and um, getting to a point where uh, where guys could focus uh, on uh, you know preparation and practicing more often through the week. There's no doubt about it from our standpoint, and and I think any coach would uh, would agree that uh, you know the more you can practice and the more you can prepare leading into a game, um, it makes the product better. So I'm sure that's something that uh, they'll look at um, uh, if and when we get to that point. But uh, Everybody knows uh, the limitations coming into the season, and you just try to um, make the most of it. And that's what we're trying to do, basically maximize um, the time that we're allowed to be on the floor. And that's why we've kind of taken this approach. Matty, from the coach's perspective, how do you – or how's the staff, you and Blaine in particular – I don't want to say managing expectations, but, you know, keeping an even keel with the offense that, you know, 20 goals, you know, they've they've come in bunches of late, that that's not just going to be – the the routine it's not going to come easy every night uh you know putting up that that kind of number that it's going to take you know hard work every night to uh, to get to where you want to get to i guess offensively in particular if that makes sense yeah um it, well it does make sense um you know we're always striving to get better uh you know we feel uh 
um, even after these, uh, you know, I guess the last three games where, where things look a lot uh, a lot better than the first two. And, um, you know, we feel that we can improve. Uh, and, uh, you know, throughout a season, um, you never want to be at your best uh, at the start. You know, you kind of want to be improving each and every game. And, um, you know, we're talking about the offense and everybody focuses on the number that you put up. But it's not always about the, uh, the number of goals scored. And, um, you know, we challenge them to... Uh, um, to get better each and every night in, in all areas and uh, we've done a good job um, the last three games I guess uh, limiting teams transition um, it's the nature of the game you're always going to give up some of it but we like our goaltending we like our defense and we're always preaching let's uh, give them an opportunity to be out there and face the offense five uh, five versus five instead of chasing or or um, you know chasing off the bench or, or maybe we're uh, outnumbered in uh, odd man situations so um, you know, as far as managing uh, expectations, uh, you know, um, those guys in that room, they expect to be good. Um, you know, they want to be good and uh, they realize what they need to do to, uh, to try to get there. But um, we got uh, 13 games left and uh, we need to try to get better each and every week. So uh, we feel we can. And now I'm not sure how much you've seen of New England this year. You mentioned, you, you know, you watch a lot of tape and consume as much as you can. But uh, looking back at their scores this year, they're sitting 4-1, and one, and it seems to be they're finding to to be on the right side of some close, you know, battle-tested, gritty, gritty kind of lacrosse games. And uh, what are you expecting from them, you know, if that's kind of the, the mentality or game plan they want to play? And, you know, the last couple of games has kind of been a high-scoring affair for the Rock. How do you see those two kind of styles uh, clashing this weekend? Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, you know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna play our style, and we're gonna play uh, try to uh, play up tempo and uh, and push the ball and create opportunities each and every uh, offensive shift. Uh, we're excited about this weekend. Um, you mentioned that they're four and one, and and uh, you know I've watched all their games. Uh, they're a good team. They lead the East, and uh, we want to see how we stack up against them. So um, now's a good time to have them come in, and uh, you know we'll see how we stack up against the best in the East. Now also, uh, and we've talked uh, kind of at length about this on the show already uh, and talked to Jalen about it, but, you know, an opportunity here to play against uh, a guy who has been with his team previously for, for quite some time and Stephen LeBlanc, and we talked about how, you know, uh, you know Steph's kind of playing against uh, a whole team of uh, former teammates, whereas, you know, this team is playing against only one guy kind of thing. Um, what do you... Uh, you know, what's maybe one of your uh, kind of, maybe not fondest memories, but what, you know, are you remembering about Steph as kind of maybe his legacy with the Toronto Rock here? Well, obviously, um, you know, Steph was a uh, was a great, um, great player for the Toronto Rock. And, uh, you know, he's uh, uh, drafted by us. And, um, you know, he um, was a big part of the Rock up until uh, up until the trade. So, um, you know, he's somebody that had been around a long time, both in the uh, the winter and uh, in the summer. Steph was my captain for uh, the last couple of years with the Oakville Rock, and you know he's uh, he's a good person and a good teammate, and, and he gave everything he could to the organization. Um, it's uh, you know they say it's a business. It's uh, I guess a decision that we uh, we made, and um, you know we uh, we made that decision, and you live with it. And um, I'm sure they're happy with the results. If you've uh, been watching New England, Steph's been. Uh, one of their better players, if not their best, over the last uh, couple of games for sure, and um, and you know we're happy with the addition of Sheldon. So um, you know nothing but good things to say about Steph. I've been around him a long time, and um, you know uh, 
anxious to get out there and compete against them. All right, Matty. Well, thanks a lot for taking some time to join us here, and uh, obviously, best of luck this weekend against the Black Wolves. Thank you. Enjoy the game. I will. All right, we're going to take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access, and we'll be back to wrap it up in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis bringing things home here at the tail end of the show today. Uh, it's been great to have Challen Rogers and Maddie Sawyer in studio with us as we get ready for Saturday night's big game against the New England Black Wolves, as we've uh, briefly touched upon throughout this uh, podcast this week. Also, the return of Steph LeBlanc, and maybe that's where we want to start here. And uh, you think is it going to be weird? I mean, I know we've all probably had a chance to watch games on NLL TV and the Twitter game of the week and whatnot, and and have seen Steph in action in a Black Wolves uniform, but. Uh, Obviously, probably some mixed emotions for him coming back to the Air Canada Centre, the only place he's really known as home uh, before the trade to New England throughout his pro career, having played every single game of his pro career for the Toronto Rock before the trade. Um, just what are your thoughts on him coming back to, to play his old team here? Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of emotions, I'm sure, in the building. You know, I think you can tell from, you know, when the trade happened, you know, there's a lot of LeBlanc supporters and, even in in the press release, you know, you, you start just looking at numbers, and he's top five in this or top ten in this, and and whatnot, and uh, you know, he's he's had a good good run here in the in the organization, and you know, the fans, he, someone who's been around for that long, you just kind of grow used to him being around, and and you can pencil him in the lineup again next year and next year, and I think it will be, you know, tough for him to to return, and I'm sure. You know, first couple games, I believe he's out in Sask and for his first game, and it's just kind of it was all kind of in shock. And now he's settled into his role. New England's you know kind of rolling a bit, uh, but you know, you're coming in, he's going to be you know going left when he used to go right or, or whatnot in terms of where the dressing rooms are and uh, just being out there and you know see. We just had Challen on earlier in the show say it's going to be weird for for him to to play one teammate that's that was his mm-hmm. old teammate. Steph's playing a whole team. Yeah. That was his old teammates, Very right? True. So, like, just that dynamic. And, uh, you know, you hope, uh, you know, I'm sure the fans will, will all have their, their thoughts and, and whatnot and, you know, give him a, a little cheer, I guess, if he does happen to pick up a goal or, or whatnot. But I think ultimately it's it's Toronto versus New England here, and, and that's the bigger picture here and, you know, first place on the line. And both teams want to go out and get the win. And it's interesting that, you know, Steph was here as long as he was. His first year was in 2010 and played through to the, you know, start of the 17-18 season. Um, he was, uh, it was kind of a weird thing because he was never really the top dog at any point, you know, in terms of the rock. And, you know, his first season, even he won the Rookie of the Year award, but Gary Billings had one more point than him. You know, they both came in at the same time, and Billings was kind of the guy through the first few years. Um, you know, Colin Doyle was also here. Josh Sanderson came back on the scene in 2012, which was uh, Steph's third year in the league. So he was always kind of playing second fiddle, so to speak. But then you look at his career numbers, like you mentioned, he's top five in rock goals, assists, and points all time. And so, you know, in some cases you're talking Doyle, Manning, LeBlanc you know in some in some stat categories so 
that's pretty amazing when you think about what you know the legacy is that he leaves behind here in Toronto as a, you know a premier offensive guy and a guy who won a championship here in 2011 and scored the game-winning goal in the 8-7 win over the Washington Stealth, the then Washington Stealth back in 2011 at Air Canada Center in uh, one of the best lacrosse games that I've you know ever witnessed uh, in person. So um, better than we won. Uh, but uh, it, it, it is quite a legacy. It will be very strange to see him on the other side of things. And uh, he seems to have kind of found his groove the last couple of weeks in uh, New England as well and, and starting to become a big part of that team. So that's great to see that he's having success elsewhere as, uh, like we said, he was a big part of this team for uh, for a long time, almost a decade. So um, we'll welcome back uh, Steph, but hopefully it won't be uh, a positive result for his club at the end of the night. Yeah, and you wonder in you know scenarios like this, does he come back with a with an extra chip on his shoulder, a little extra motivation, you know, feeling. I'm sure you you know I'm not I've never been in that position, but someone trades you away, you want to kind of get back at them that next time to show that hey, look at me, I can still, you know, this is kind of what you're missing type thing. Or I also be curious to see going through his head, does he feel obligated to portray that that he maybe tries to do a little too much or I'd be curious to see how his game you know shakes out Saturday if he you mentioned he's been kind of finding his groove now a couple of, you know there's a great article out in New England I believe about Glenn Clark raving about him and, and whatnot so he's obviously found a found a good role there you know just curious to see does he just continue on like business or is he trying to do a little too much and try and you know, dig back at the at the rock a, a little bit. You know, just internally and, and personal, personally, just to show you know, hey, I, I can still do this in this league at a very high level. Yeah, I think there's always probably a little element uh, of that, no matter what, and uh, whether it's the first time or the the tenth time you play against your old team. And then on the flip side of that coin, you've got Sheldon Burns, who's going up against his old team and the only team he had ever played for as well in the NLL, being New England. So. Uh, Lots of great storylines developing here Saturday night, but the biggest one that uh, you know we want to focus on is uh, that end result. And uh, I heard a quote today on the radio, something about I can't remember who who dropped the quote, but it was something to the effect of, and it plays into the whole uh, Buffalo Saskatchewan thing, and and maybe even some of the rock quick starts that we've had uh, over the past few games and during this winning streak is that you know. No matter what the score is, it doesn't it's, really matter until the zeros are on the board at the end of the a, night. It was a New England Patriots Jacksonville Jaguars reference to yeah. Jacksonville up twenty to ten with ten minutes left, yeah. it, and they asked if someone was surprised by that, and the guy said not at all because James Lofton was the one who said it, but he said it was a quote from. Uh, he said it was when he was coaching in San Diego. It's all slowly starting to come back to me. I can't yeah. remember who it was, but a, a colleague, whoever it was, was the head coach, I guess, at uh, the time when he was there. But I, I thought it was actually pretty good, and it was, uh, you know, one of those things where, you know, in football you look at it that way, I think maybe even more so than in some other sports. But um, in lacrosse, I mean, we just got served a big – big nice uh, steaming hot pie of that on on Friday night with the way that that game went out went on and carried out yeah I, I know exactly what quote you're like when you kind of started to lay that out it, it clicked in my head as well and I thought that 
was very very true as well and you know it does only matter really what what the score says on the final three zeros and this week just looking at you know a couple things I'll be curious to see we mentioned it with Challen but how the Rock are after a bye week sometimes you know personally when things are rolling that as well as they were you want to keep going again and again and again and you know just to kind of stop you you hope that the sticks don't cool up I'm not sure I don't think they will by any means but just it's a it's something I'm sure that's going to cross cross coach's mind tonight and they're going to you know get everyone tuned up again here at practice but uh, also curious to see you know this New England team our first look at them you mentioned I think they're scoring just 11 point something goals a game and uh, we kind of mentioned that's kind of the area Buffalo is in you know on their goals per game and we don't know if you can win how many lacrosse games or how sustainable scoring 11 is a night so I'll be curious to get a look at that um, and then Aaron Bold you know we we drew this comparison early on in the season with the trade that the Kirk Bold and at the start it was like this Kirk has been standing on his head and and whatnot but you know it's kind of like what have you done for me lately bold 11-9 win Kirk kind of got shelled a bit this past weekend right so you know if we're talking right now we're probably back on your side of the table here and saying bold is you know the the elite goal so be curious to see how he plays maybe and then you also kind of go back to that it only matters, when the, you know, the three zeros, like you mentioned on the board. Well, both teams are four and one, right? So, you know, at, at that, uh, you know, at that same point, you know, it's uh, it's kind of very similar in that, you know, we can talk about how both of those teams got there, but at the same time, they're both four and one. So they're very much, I think, right now on an even playing field. Um, Kirk was, I know we didn't talk too much about this. He was like the first 10 or 15 minutes of that game, he was so good, and the rush were so good. I was just like, where is the weakness here? Kirk's unbelievable. It's not 6-3. It's not 6-2. It's 6-0. And Evan Kirk is, you know, the old hockey term, way old, but spitting nickels down there, and and the offense is just having their way. You know, you were like, where where is this weakness in this team? And then, you know, obviously we know how the rest of the script played out there, but um, – yeah, I mean, Aaron Bold is, like you said, I don't know how many games they can expect to win over the long haul in the season if they continue to only score 11 goals, which, again, is one of those things where in lacrosse, again, is not probably enough to win on a regular basis in this league. You, I think you really, on a regular basis, have to start talking in that 12, 13, 14 range consistently to probably end up with a record above 500. Yeah, if they, you know, come out averaging 11 point whatever goals a game and win 10, 11, 12, 13 games a year. Aaron, Aaron Bold's the MVP. Eight, yeah, he's going to be, exactly. He's <laughs> yeah. the MVP, goalie of the year, uh, yep. in my opinion, at least, because that'd mean he stood on his head to allow that to happen, right? Yep. So uh, I mentioned, I don't think it's sustainable, but we've kind of talked a little bit here. I don't think, you know, Sean Evans or, or Crowley or... And, you know, we mentioned Steph finding his game have really had one of those nights where they they really leave feeling good about themselves. And and all three of those have the all three of those players uh, individually have the ability to, you know, come in and put up some large numbers. And we, we mentioned on the show before what, you know, we collectively think of Sean Evans and and he, what he is as a player. And he, even though, you know, they've only scored x amount of points or whatever it is or maybe struggling again for on their purposes which really they're not because they are four and one um still lethal guys that the toronto rock defenders are going to have to pay uh pay serious attention to 
Yeah, and I mean, there's a couple other guys. You know, you talk about Sean Evans. I mean, this is a little bit of a homecoming for him, obviously, too. Uh, being from Peterborough, getting to play in front of uh, friends and family back here in Ontario. But another guy, you know, Kevin Crowley, there's another guy playing against his old team. <clears throat> um, you know, even though he was here for only a, a short, short time back in 2015. But, you know, there's another guy coming back uh, to play here again. And um, it, it's it's going to be a fun game on Saturday night. I think we see, um, as we've kind of talked a little bit, uh, you know, ticket sales over the uh, early part of this week have been moving quite, quite well. And I think people are kind of starting to latch on to the fact that this is a battle for first place in the East. And it's going to be a game to uh, – to be a part of here on Saturday night. And, you know, we mentioned all this talk about Saskatchewan coming back with a purpose and, you know, that loss last year, what that meant to them. They've come back refocused and, and really want to get after it this season. I think you can say the same about New England after the uh, the crap beating they essentially took in Toronto in the Eastern semifinal last year that probably opened some eyes there and got some guys, like, looking long and hard in the mirror in the offseason saying, that's not how we want our season to end, and this is their first time to kind of come back and, you know, exhaust those demons or, or rewrite what happened there and make themselves feel a little bit better about that. And they they want to not only get back to the Eastern, you know, semifinal, but you know, to the next level as well. And this is all part of the process and beating you know Toronto, the team that kind of ended their season last year. Yep. So it's going to be uh, you know a rematch, like you say, of last year's uh, East Division semifinal. The Rock won that game, eighteen ten. Two regular season meetings last year. Both went to the Black Wolves, both by uh, both by goal, I think, one in overtime. So uh, some close games last year. Um, a big playoff win by the Rock. That brings us to prediction time here. I'm on a bit of a streak here of being bang on, but not likely to continue. Um, we're both 3-2 and two on the year. We should mention that. So, KD, you're up first, prediction time. Okay, I I think the offense, Toronto Rock offense, does continue to clip along, not at a, a 20, 20 spot here, but uh, I'm going to go Toronto 16, and then we've had this talk about New England, and they're out right now, and you know they're clipping along at about 11 a game. So I think the Rock do a little bit better defensively, and we hold them to 10, 16-10. All right. Well, I think we're both in a very similar neighborhood on this game, which uh, probably isn't a shock. But uh, you know what? I went with 17-9 last game. It worked. You're going to ride it? I'm going to ride it. I'm going to push all the chips back into the middle of the table again here and try to double my money. 17-9 I'm going again in favor of the Toronto Rocks. So um, I probably don't feel quite as confident about that exact number as – for whatever reason I did against uh, Rochester, I guess. But, um, you know, a 17-9 game, for obvious reasons, is more of a probably a game that, you know, unfolds the way The Rock wanted to unfold. If it ends up being a one- or a two-goal game um, on either side, you know, if The Rock win by one or two or lose by one or two, I think it's probably New England may have you know, dictated the pace, so to speak, of the game more so than the Rock. So um, we'll see. We'll break it all down again next week when uh, when you join us. Uh, Ticket-wise, we kind of teased that a little yep. bit, but uh, what's going on in the ticket department, Katie? Yeah, actually, things are moving well, uh, you know, for the next couple of games here, this one especially. So still, still some great seats available, though. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this one, and we kind of – 
you know, we mentioned it a little bit last week, but we had some tough weather at the previous Toronto Rock game. So, you know, you should be eager to get out now. It's been been more than a couple of weeks since you've been in the uh, at the Air Canada Centre to see see the boys. So, uh, if you want to, you know, you can go torontorock.com/tickets. You can uh, talk to one of our reps at torontorock.com. We have still some great group rates, gr- uh, flex packs, four play packs, all still available. Uh, 416-596-3075 to uh, talk to a rep. We can talk lacrosse and we can get you in some great seats for the game this Saturday. Steph LeBlanc's return, so you won't want to miss that as well. So uh, make sure to get out on a Saturday and get down and see uh, see some great lacrosse action. And we should mention also that this Saturday's game is presented by Bell Let's Talk. And uh, as part of the ceremonial pregame face-off, uh, we're going to have several members of the 2017 Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts will be in the building, as well as uh, multi-time gold medalist Cheryl Pounder with the uh, Canadian Women's Olympic Hockey Team. She will also uh, be participating in the ceremonial face-off. So uh, a great night as we uh, also raise awareness for mental health and Bell Let's Talk Day coming up next week. So uh, lots of great stuff going on. you got to be at the Air Canada Centre on Saturday night. There's no other place to be. So that'll be a wrap things up here for the program. In the meantime, and in between time, for Kyle Davis, I am Mike Hancock saying we will chat next week.